So this week is the final week in our Overcoming Fear sermon series. And we've been talking about, leading on from Easter, how the power of the resurrection helps us deal with the fear that the past will control us, that you feel like you can never get past your past. You can never get past what someone else did to you or what you did in the past, and so you feel controlled by that. That's one fear. The second fear is you feel like your present is just going to overwhelm you. We've talked about you can't spin any more plates. You can't juggle any more balls. If one more problem comes in your lap, you do not know what you're going to do. You just feel overwhelmed by the present. So how do you process that? How do you deal with that? How do you look to the Lord in the middle of that? And then this week, we're thinking about what do I do when I'm afraid of the future? When I'm afraid that the future will disappoint me, when I'm not looking forward to what's coming next. Uh, this type of fear drives anxiety, uh, it drives that idea of I just don't know what's coming. Oftentimes with this fear, this is what we call catastrophizing. Uh, catastrophizing is this tendency that some of us have, and I said some of us, not some of you, some of us. Catastrophizing can be this idea of whatever happens is the worst case scenario, and not only that, but you begin to think about if this happens, and then this could happen, and this could happen, and before you know it, you've talked yourself into the worst possible outcome in a situation. Now, if you want to know what kind of thought pattern gets you into this type of situation, let me remind you of everyone's favorite book about this, okay? If you give a mouse a cookie, or if you give a moose a muffin, or if you give a dog a donut, you know, so this happens, and then this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and it's really funny when it's a mouse and a cookie. It's not so funny when it's your family or it's your job, or it's your life, and you just have this anxiety that builds up about the future that, oh man, if this happens, if I can just be super straightforward with you as a pastor, it's not hard for me to start this like catastrophizing, and before I know it, it's me and myself, and I'm the only person left to the church, because everybody's gotten mad, and everybody's left, and they've taken somebody with them, and they've taken somebody, and you just start to catastrophize, and you see this happen with people around you where this anxiety builds up about the future. What do we fear about the future? What do we fear when we think about the future? One type of fear for the future is the fear that nothing is ever going to change. That who I am right now, what I'm experiencing right now, I'm afraid that nothing's ever going to be different. My marriage isn't ever going to be different. My kids aren't ever going to be different. This job isn't ever going to be different. This fear that who I am right now is who I will always be. And it builds up fear that, oh my word, is this all there is? Is this all that's going to happen in life? Like things will never change. They'll never, never get any better. Some people deal with the fear that everything is going to change. So they look around them and it feels like everything's changing this is the kind of fear that happens when people look at society, and society is changing fast, and technology is changing fast, and values are changing fast, and it builds up this fear that, oh my word, where is this world going because everything's changing? Uh, this is the fear that parents have, where you see seasons of life changing, and you're like, oh my goodness, what's coming next in the season of life? Amanda and I were walking with the dog around the lake yesterday and talking about seasons of life and kids getting older, and before you realize it, you can talk about that, and you can talk yourself into some incredible anxiety and fear about how fast life moves and how things happen and how the fear that everything is going to change. 
There's this famous fear out there, the fear of missing out, FOMO. You have FOMO that, you know, I'm going to miss out on something. Or the famous FOBO, fear of better options. This is where it's so hard to make a choice in the world. Uh, There's a famous social experiment that talks about if you walk up to a grocery store and there are only like two or three types of jam to pick from at the grocery store, you're just going to pick one and you're going to be relatively happy. The problem is when you go up to the grocery store and there are 87 types of jam to pick and you just stand there frozen. And worse yet, your wife sent you with a list and you were supposed to buy the, you know, the correct one. You're like, oh my word, which of these 87 am I supposed to pick? This fear of better options actually creates incredible anxiety about the future. And then there's just the anxiety, I'm just not good enough. This, this fear of failure in the future. People expect me to do X. I can't do that. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to be able to do that. I'm going to fail, and not only am I going to fail, but I'm going to let other people down. And it creates this incredible fear for the future. When you're dealing with this, when you're feeling these things, some people, they become anxious, and it just makes them extremely passive. They just withdraw. Like, I can't deal with the future right now. I'm just going to back away. Some people, people, when they become anxious, they become very controlling about the future. I don't know if you've ever tried to control the future or control other people. It generally doesn't go well. <laughs> like, if you're fearful of the future and you're trying to take control of that future so everything will work out the way you want, trying to control the future and trying to control other people just tends to not go very well. So the question is, what should we do as the people of God? How can the resurrection of Jesus help us in this type of situation? I hope that after this morning, this is not going to solve all your fears of the future, but it will give you a way to think about them in a fresh way. Here's what I want to put in front of you. Our hope is that we will have a radical faith in God. And we're going to talk in a second about what that radical faith means, but we would have a radical faith that leads us into the future that God has for us. I don't think I told you this up front, so you're going to have to turn fast in your Bible, but Joshua chapter 1 is where we're going to go. Normally in my mind, I think like dismiss the kids from, to go to Elevate and then tell you to turn your Bible and we'll do that, um, but Jaron was taking that from me to kindly pray for me and I forgot. So Joshua chapter 1 is what we're looking at this morning. If you're not familiar with where Joshua is in your Bible, it's going to be the sixth book at the beginning of the Bible, the sixth book of the uh, the Old Testament, you get through those first five books of the law, and that takes you to, to Joshua right there. Joshua chapter 1. And remember, what are we trying to do this morning? We're trying to ask ourselves, when I'm afraid of the future, <laughs> when I'm anxious, when I'm worried about what's coming next, I'm worried about graduation, I'm worried about my kids, I'm worried about my marriage, I'm worried about my job, when I have this fear of the future, how do I deal with that through the hope of the resurrection? And the answer is radical faith that you find in Joshua chapter 1. So let's read verses 1 through 6. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're going to kind of get into the heart of this. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel, Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. 
from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, all of this shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Let's pray for just a moment as we get started. Father, I stand here as someone who has spent so much of my life dealing with anxiety of the future. And God, we can so often become an anxious people. We, we worry about the future. We worry about things that are coming. And God, I pray that this morning that you would give us a radical faith to trust you, who you are, how you're at work. God, I pray for people who come in here this morning and, and they have things that are on their mind, things they're worried about. Maybe life is changing a lot for them right now. God, give them peace. Give them hope. Give them joy. Give them excitement about the future in front of them. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, I want to put two books up on the screen for you that aren't nearly as cool as if you give a mouse a cookie, okay? So uh, give a mouse a cookie is way up here. These are good books, but I want to put them in front of you for a particular reason. The book on the left has the roots in there. It's called The Radical Disciple by John Stott. John Stott, who is one of the greatest theologians and preachers, pastors of the 20th century. He served for 66 years at All Souls Church Langham Place in London. Uh, so I got started at Emmaus when I was 33, 33 plus 66. I'd have to be here at 99. Going to need a lot of sabbaticals uh, to get to get to 66 years. Though I would like to try. I would take 66 years at Emmaus. But uh, he was at that church for 66 years. Just an incredible theologian, incredible pastor and preacher. He wrote this book called Radical Discipleship that has to do with what are the roots of our faith? What is the core of our faith? On the right side is a book called Radical by David Platt. Amanda and I, when we were in seminary at New Orleans, had the incredible opportunity to know David and his wife, Heather. Now, let's be clear about what I mean by know. If David still remembered us, that would just speak to his memory and not to us. But we knew them. We interacted with them some. We went to church with them some. I took a couple of his classes. David's an incredible preacher, incredible pastor. I just, I think so highly of him. But when he uses the word radical, he's using the word radical in the sense of revolutionary, uh, extravagant. I'm going to have radical faith that's going to go out and do all these things. So why would I put these two books up there in front of you? It's because when you look into the word radical, and I'm asking us this morning that if we're afraid of the future, we need to have radical faith— what does it mean by radical? Well, when you go back and you look at the Latin roots of that word, and you go back and look at the history of the word, the word radical has to do with rooted. It has to do with this idea of the foundation of something, the core of something. But it's also a word that over time comes to mean revolutionary, extravagant, amazing, pushing into new opportunities, new ways of living, completely, you know, rad, that you're living in an amazing, incredible way. Both of those both of those are at the core of living the Christian faith. Some people, some people, their faith is all about being rooted, having this foundation for life, having this wise way of living. Some people are like, forget that, I'm going to save the world. Like, we need to go do things. We don't need to worry about the roots. Like, we need to go do things. And I'm here to tell you that a faith that will take you into the future 
is a faith that is rooted. It's got that original meaning to the word radical. It's a radical faith with deep roots. And it's a faith that says, and we're going to go and make a difference in the world. We're going to go and live out our faith in the future because God has this incredible future in front of us that we need both of these to go together. And so we're going to look in Joshua chapter 1 and see how both of these elements come to play. All right, let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. I want you to see how this idea of a radical faith plays itself out and how do we deal with the fear of the future. Verse 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, who was Moses' assistant. Okay, first things first here. If anyone ever asks you which character in the Bible had no parents... The answer is Joshua, because he was the son of none. <laughs> yeah. All right, so you will go home today. You won't remember radical faith. You won't remember anything else, but you will remember that right there. Okay, so uh, Joshua is the son of none here. Much more importantly from verse 1 is the idea of after the death of Moses. So remember, God is moving his people toward the promised land. God is moving his people against all these spiritual enemies, all these adversaries. He's taking them to this land that he is going to give them. And now what has happened? Their leader has died. Now you can look in the background stories and find out why Moses died before they went into the promised land. But this is a problem. Moses has died. All of their plans for the future were riding on the fact that Moses was going to lead them here. And now he has died. When you come to these times of crisis in life, these difficult situations that happen in your life, those difficult crises in life make it very hard to think about the future. Especially when you deal with a death in the family, a death of a loved one. When you have a difficult situation come in your life, it's almost impossible to say, and after this I will do. Because you just feel so stuck in the situation. And nothing about this verse is telling you you just need to get over the death or get over the past. There's nothing about that. But what it does tell you is that just because this crisis has come into your life, just because this person might have died or something might have happened, it doesn't mean that God's plans have stopped. It doesn't mean that God's promises have failed. Even when you're in the middle of a situation that you can't see beyond that, it doesn't mean that God can't see beyond that, that he will continue to work, that the same God who brought you through the Red Sea, he is the same God who will take you across the Jordan River. The same God who brought you out of that problem is the same God who will take you beyond that problem, that his promises, his plans remain true. And so we see that even as Moses has died, and what happens here, the Lord said to Joshua, Next man up, my promises continue, my plans continue. This thing is going to continue to go forward. Verse 2, what does he tell Joshua? He says, Moses, my servant, is dead. What is Moses' role in the situation? To be the Savior? Nope. What's his job? To be a servant. To be a servant. He did his job, and now God's plans continue through this next servant, through Joshua. It's not based upon any one person. It's based upon God's plans, what he's doing. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, arise. Go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Pay attention to that phrase, I am giving. How are they going to go into the future? By, by them accomplishing it? Nope. It's a gift of God. It's his grace. 
He's making it possible. He says, you are going into a future that I have prepared for you, that I am giving to you. Look at verse 3. You get the same idea. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised to Moses. What you are going to take is already yours. Slow down and think about the theology of that. Think about what that means about God's work in your life. You are going into a future that you're afraid of. You're going into a future that you can't see. You're going into a future that you're uncertain of. And God says, I have already given everything that you need. I have gone before you and prepared. Uh, Think about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. What kind of good works? That God prepared beforehand that we should walk in those. He says, I've given you this promised land. I've given you these promises. I've given you things to do. All you've got to do is walk ahead in faith. You just have to keep going. Verse 4, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea toward the going down of the sun, all of these shall be your territory. Okay, if you want to keep notes, want to keep score this morning, we're talking about radical faith that has deep roots. Reality number one for that kind of faith is that you trust God's promises and plans. That God's promises and plans are trustworthy, that they will will not fail, that you can trust in him. If we're going to go into an uncertain future, you want to go into that uncertain future knowing that God has gone before you that he has plans, that he has promises that you can hold on to. When my wife Amanda meets with young ladies for discipleship or or women's groups for discipleships, almost always one of the things that those ladies will do is they will just go through and make a list of God's promises. Because when the future gets super blurry and you start to get anxious and you start to get scared, what do you do? You go back to those promises and you say, I don't know what is about to happen in my life, but I know these are true. I know these are true. I know what God is up to. I know that I have salvation through Jesus that's been given as a gift that I receive by faith. And I know that God has prepared a future that he wants me to go into and carry out the good works that he's planned. When you're uncertain about the future, you have to trust in God's promises and plans. Know those. Hold on to those. And let me stop before I go to the next point, just to say, if you're here this morning and you have never experienced God's salvation in your life, that when you think about your future, the first word that comes to mind is not hope. (laughs) The first word that comes to mind is not peace. Like, you, you don't feel like you have a foundation for your future. Can I call you this morning to trust in Jesus? that you would be saved by God's grace, a grace that he has given you, a gift that he has given you, and you receive that in faith, a radical faith that says, everything I need for the future, I can't accomplish on my own, but I receive what God has done for me, that you would trust in him, that you would find salvation in him. If you need to talk to someone about that, we're gonna have a final song at the end of the service. Not right now, don't get excited, but a final song in a little bit at the end of the service. After the service, we stick around. If you are unsure about your salvation, if you're unsure about your future, don't leave this morning without talking to somebody about what does it mean to be saved. To go into the future, we need God's promises. We need to trust in God's plans. Okay, verse 5. Verse 5. 
no man, God tells Joshua here, no man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Jump down to verse 9. Same idea repeated down in verse 9. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. If you want to make a New Testament connection on this, think about what Jesus told his disciples as he was sending his disciples out just before Jesus returned to heaven. There in Matthew 28, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and what? Lo, I am with you always, even to the ends of the ages. Second point, if you're going to go into the future, if you're worried about the future, if you're unsure about what's coming, you need God's promises, and you also need God's presence with you to know that what I am walking into, I am not walking into alone. It would be really great if we sang a song that said, never once have I ever walked alone. This idea that we would be reminded of God's presence with us. When the future is uncertain, you are not alone. How do we experience God's presence? Well, one of the most powerful ways is just through the Holy Spirit. You may have had times in your life where you were full of fear, you couldn't see the future, it felt like everything was falling around, and you could look at people and say, I have a peace that makes no sense. I have a peace that surpasses all understanding. The only way I know to make sense of my peace in this situation is because God is with me, because I am not alone. And also, he gives you the church. He gives you people around you when the future looks blurry, when you're worried about what's coming, that people come around you and say, you're not alone. We're, we're here with you. There's a great preacher joke, preacher story, um, about a little kid who was having a nightmare, yelling in the room, help, 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 you know, and parents, that fear that you have when you wake up, and mom takes off running toward the little kid's room and gets in there and begins to comfort the kid and get the kid to kind of calm down. It's going to be okay. And then the mom says to the little kid, I've got to go back to my bedroom. I'm going to go back. I don't sleep in here. I, I sleep with dad. We're going to go, I'm going to go back there. And as the mom's walking out of the room, she hears the little kid say, I knew dad was a scaredy cat. <laughs> You're like, I just need somebody to be with me. It's good that God's with me. I want somebody else to be with me. I need, I need somebody with flesh and blood to be with me in this situation. Sometimes when you're afraid of the future, sometimes when you're unsure about what's going on, you just need somebody to be there with you. You just need somebody to come around and say, I'm here, God's here, you're not alone, let's walk with faith into the future, what's to come. Finally, let's look at verse 6 here. Verse 6, be strong and courageous. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Have this steadfast, never-ending sort of courage. Be careful to do according to all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Don't turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. That language about not turning to the right or the left kind of connects back to the Old Testament wi wisdom literature, that there's a path of life. Stay on that path. Verse 8, 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Point number one for having radical faith that will take you into the future. Point number one is that I trust deeply in God's promises and plans. I know that God's up to something, and I'm going to trust him. Number two, I believe that God is with me. I am not alone. God has given me people that will walk with me. His Holy Spirit is always with me. I can trust in him. And number three, to go into the future, I need to grow in wisdom through God's word. I need God to do something in my life to shape my life by his word as I meditate on his word. As I think about the law that he's given us, I think about the hope of the scriptures. I meditate on those. I think about those things. And then they guide me to live in a particular way. When you think about this idea of God giving the law so that people would meditate on it on, and obey it, don't think so much about just like an individual to-do list. Think more about your whole life being shaped by God's wisdom, that it's impacting who you are, it's shaping who you are, it's transforming the way you live, because this sort of wisdom is what will guide you into the future. We live in a day, we live in a day and age where making five-year, 10-year, 15-year strategic plans, the world's changing so fast. How do you make plans like that? How do you make plans five, 10, 15 years into the future? When you can't make long-term strategic plans, what you can focus on is who am I becoming in this moment? How am I learning to think? How am I being shaped in my character? How am I learning to make decisions? We grow in wisdom. And that takes me to the next slide. What does this wisdom for the future look like? What does it mean that if I'm uncertain about the future, I need to grow in wisdom? What does this wisdom look like? Well, let me tell you from the very beginning that wisdom and faith are not enemies, okay? We have, to, we have to nail this down, that to be a wise person and to be a person who walks by faith, those are not two opposites. Those are two sides of the same coin. Here's how I know this. Because when we lived in New Orleans and we were at the seminary, one of my jobs was to be the financial aid director for the seminary. And every semester, I would have new students come to the financial aid office and they would say, I'm here to enroll in class and, and I just don't know how I'm going to pay. Can you help me with this? It's like, yep, yeah, sure, we'll work, we'll work on a plan. And then I will ask them, how did you plan to pay for seminary? And they would say, I was going to just come here by faith. I was just going to pay on faith. Well, it's a hard moment, <laughs> you know, at that when you're looking at this person who's come to seminary, they've taken this step, and, and you, you can say to them, I commend your faith. Like, I, I'm so thankful you took this step of faith. The people across the hallway in the business office, they're people of faith as well. They don't cast faith, though. That's the only problem. Like, you, you've got to come with money. Like, there's got to be a plan for how we're going to pay for this. And, and there would be these things like, well, you just, don't, you just don't understand my faith that I had to come. And I would say, you just don't understand how much I can't just pay for your school. Like, there's a business office over there. Here's the whole point. Wisdom, becoming a wise person, allows us to walk by faith. And when we walk by faith, we will grow in wisdom. That those two things develop together. So that I begin to think through, how can I surround myself with wise people who will help me learn to walk in these ways? Who, who have been to the future I want to go to and they can tell me how to get there. What kind of person I need to become. That I can grow in holiness. 
if you're trying to figure out in your own life, you have a decision to make about the future, uh, this is one of the questions that I get a lot as a pastor. High school students will come to me and say, how can I know God's will for my life? Or somebody's trying to figure out if they should get married, or somebody's trying to figure out if they should take a new job, and they're trying to say, how do I know God's will for my life? Let me give you two points for knowing God's will for your life. Number one, pursue holiness. If you are seeking to live for the Lord, he will open up your eyes about decisions you need to make. Pursue holiness. Number two, be faithful to what's right in front of you. If you're trying to figure out what should I do next in life, the best way to prepare for the future is I'm going to be completely faithful to what's right in front of me. And as I do that, God will begin to open up the path for what comes next. And when you have this kind of radical, rooted faith, here's what happens. That radical, rooted faith then turns into a fruitful faith. It turns into a faith that drives you into the future. The end of verse 8, what does the end of verse 8 say? It says, for then, when you do all these things, God's promises, God's presence, I grow in wisdom through God's word, when you do those things, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. This is the way to move into the future. This is the future that God has in front of you. I develop these strong roots, and then I'm sent out to go and do the things that God has created me to do, to be the person God has created me to be, to go and reach the nations, to reach my neighbors, to raise up my kids, to live together on mission with the church, to go out in faith, radical faith, David Platt, send us out to the nation's faith. That kind of faith comes when we have deep roots. And we grow up and we find out what does it mean to be prosperous and successful. Now, let me remind you, I think you know this. Prosperous and successful does not necessarily mean rich and famous in the kingdom of God. So we've got to make sure we define prosperous and successful. But it does mean fruitful. It does mean living out the life that God has created you to live. We need radical faith people to keep drawing us into the future. You need those people around you who energize you, who pull you forward, who say, we've got more to do. And we need those rooted people to say, yeah, but the only way we can go into the future is when we have strong roots, who we, when we come, when we're shaped by God's word, when we trust in God's power and his, his, his presence. Here's what I want to leave you with this morning. Joshua chapter 1 is often described as a commissioning service. Has anybody ever been to a missionary commissioning service, like where you were sending somebody out as a missionary to go, to go out on the mission field? Those missionary commissioning services are, are powerful to be a part of. As someone's walking in faith, going out to do what God's created them to do. Joshua 1 is often seen as a commissioning service. Here's what I want us to do this morning. I want us to think of the end of this morning's service as a commissioning service for you. You're about to go into the month of May, which there's funny jokes you can make about the month of May, but we're going into the month of May. Guess what? May is incredibly busy. <laughs> you got school wrapping up. You got graduations happening. You got people moving into new jobs. You're moving into the summer. Then, you know what follows May at Emmaus? June. You think May's busy. June, you haven't seen anything until you come to Emmaus in June. And we have vacation Bible school, and we have... Falls Creek and Super Summer and Kids Camp and all these things are going. You're going into the summer. Many of you over the summer, you're going to travel. You're going to go out different places. Your kids are going to be involved in events. You're going to be doing these different things. 
April 30th, 2023. When you look into the future, what are you afraid of? What are you worried about when you look into the future? When you think about this summer, what worries you about this summer? Maybe there's a change of life that's happening. Maybe you have uncertainty about things going on in your life. What, what worries you about this summer? And then think to yourself, okay, what are my roots? What are, what's my foundation? And what's God calling me to do? Students, adults, senior adults, what has God prepared for you to do this summer to make an impact for his kingdom? What kind of radical faith is he calling you to live out this summer? Would you go forward trusting him, trusting his promises, his presence, his word, to lead you to be fruitful for his kingdom? Let me pray for us, and we're going to sing a final song and be dismissed. What are you afraid of? Just lay that before the Lord. Maybe there's something in your future. Maybe you're dealing with a hard family situation. Your job's changing. You're having to move. You're about to graduate high school. What are you worried about in the future? How can you take that worry, take that concern, lay it before the Lord and say, Lord, I don't want to be consumed by my anxiety. Normally anxiety rules my life. Normally worry rules my life. I don't want to be consumed by that. Give me deep roots. Help me to trust you. Help me to build my life upon the truth of your word, on the power of your presence. God, give me a foundation to build my life on. And then, God, send me out to live with radical faith. I don't want to be passive. I don't want to sit on the sidelines. I don't want to waste my life. God, I want to go forward making an impact for your kingdom in my home, in my neighborhood, in my job, in the nations. God, would you send us out with radical faith? And God, if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted in Jesus for salvation, God, would you draw them to make that decision this morning? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.